Hi there. My name is Andrew Kays, and I'm the pastor at Emmanuel Evangelical Lutheran Church of Paynes Point. That's in rural Oregon, Illinois. You're about to hear me preach. Now, this episode was recorded during the COVID-19 pandemic, during which time public worship has been disrupted. We don't have it every Sunday. Therefore, all sermons have been recorded ahead of time to make them available online. The preached texts are included in the audio of this episode, but you can still find a link to them in the episode description. Unless otherwise noted, all scripture is NRSV, used under the gratis policy of the copyright holder, the National Council of Churches. The first reading comes from 1 Thessalonians, the fifth chapter, where Paul writes, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise the words of prophets, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. May the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do this. Here ends the reading. Grace and peace to you, sisters and brothers in Christ. It's the third Sunday of Advent, and you know what that means. Well, maybe you know what that means. You get reminded about it because the pink candle gets lit. And to remind you, Advent used to mirror Lent more than it does today in some superficial and significant ways, like the color was the same. You'd have Wednesday night services. You would take time to repent and fast and that sort of thing. You would uh, take it more somber and serious as to prepare yourself for what comes next. In both cases, Lent and Advent, there would be a reprieve. After a few weeks of the doom and gloom, we would look for the silver lining in those dark clouds. And that reprieve, that Sunday, would be translated in English literally as rejoice. The same thing Paul tells the Thessalonians, rejoice. And to hear it like that, it feels a little disjointed, right? How do you go from a state of repentance and gloom, despair, to all of a sudden rejoicing one Sunday? Well, if you think about it, I bet you can find times in your life where exactly that sort of thing happened. And in fact, upon closer inspection, that may just be the norm. Life is full of these extended periods of time where things roughly stay the same, for better or for worse, and then an interruption changes all that. And that does go both ways. A a generally happy set of circumstances can be upended by bad news, even bad news at a distance. Finding out that a friend has been suffering can really just throw a wrench in the whole thing. And then generally, unhappy circumstances can be suspended by good news, a good day, just the chance to do something different and fun. When Paul tells the Thessalonians, rejoice, he's telling them to make that happen. Take stock of their situation and force a good day. Then he helps them by telling them how. But before we get to that, let's quickly take stock of where they were and where we are. It's not been long since we last visited with the Thessalonians, so this won't take long. This is the oldest letter of the New Testament, and it addresses one of the earliest concerns of the new church. It's rather short, so it doesn't address a lot of things. 
The Thessalonians had been under the impression that Jesus would return during their lifetime. And scholars debate exactly what that would have looked like, you know, what people believed about it. But whatever it was, when people did die before Jesus returned, that brought on this crisis of faith. Did those people miss out on something? Like, will we be separated? Will they be in the realm of the dead with everyone who died before Jesus? And then we'll be on the new earth when Jesus returns? Or, well, Paul writes them to assure them it's nothing like that. There's no separation. There's no cause for alarm. When Jesus returns at the right time, all of Christ's people, alive or dead, will be reunited with him in that moment. So, if you can draw to mind one of those all-too-normal phases in your own life in which circumstances felt dire, like things just weren't the way they were supposed to be, but then it was interrupted by good news, how'd that make you feel? Now, of course, it just depends. Circumstances can be all sorts of things, right? But you can imagine it brings their anxiety down. It brings them some relief, but it doesn't fully resolve the problem. They're told, don't worry about the thing they'd been worried about. And it would take an awful lot of trust in that person and in their word to have that word alone put their hearts at ease. Now, where are we? Of course, again, we're in the season of Advent. And here, through religious practice, it's different than it used to be. But we still entertain what it's like to anticipate a savior, to prepare our hearts for the next step in whatever God is doing in our lives and in our world. And we do this by looking back at one of the ways, the biggest way God has acted in history, the incarnation of Jesus. And we recognize that sometimes the interruptions in our day-to-day when God intervenes are extreme, so extreme that they're worth preparing for. We put the name Advent then on that preparation, the anticipation, and the hope. This year, Advent comes layered over the very real fact that we've all been waiting for something already. We're all waiting for this pandemic to be over. Even those who really want to pretend that it's no big deal are being impacted as the things they want to do aren't always available to them. So everyone's affected. Routinely now, like outbreaks on the other side of the world means certain products aren't available here. You can't see that there's hundreds of people sick there, but the fact that they are, has an impact on you. And then locally, we got schools, stores, restaurants, uh, churches, sports, theaters, and on and on it goes. I mean, enough people are being responsible that those things aren't all as available as you might like them to be. And that's to say nothing of the grueling hours on end that our medical staff are working through these past weeks and months especially, and the heartbreaking news family after family is enduring. So if the parallels felt contrived before Advent and the pandemic wait, maybe this clears it up a bit. Thessalonians were awaiting Jesus' return and distraught to find out their loved ones were dying before Jesus got there. We're all waiting for the pandemic to be over, and yet for hundreds of thousands of Americans and their families, the end didn't get here soon enough. Now Paul assures them, much like a public official might assure us that there is an end in sight, that there is good news on the horizon. The difference is Paul, because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, can make assurances even for those who have died. Our public officials can't give such hope. I dare say, however, Paul isn't just speaking, writing to the Thessalonians. He's writing to us. However this whole ordeal, the year 2020, has impacted you, there's hope on the other side of it. 
Come what may, all of this, everything you see ends with Jesus setting it right. So too, Paul then, in spite of overwhelming circumstances, tells us, rejoice. You too must rejoice. But how could you do that in a situation like this? Well, what Paul has to say on the matter fits so well with what we've seen from him this season already. Get back to basics, the basics of your faith, the basics of your relationship with God. And he gives five commendations right up top on how to do that. One, pray. Take time to be with God. If you don't already have a prayer practice, start one. It's that simple. It's that basic. Pray before a family meal, before bed, first thing in the morning. You can wing it or you can use something already written. This will remind you every day that what is before your eyes, however bad it may be, that's limited. There's so much more to time and space than just these four walls. Two, give thanks. We just had Thanksgiving, so you've heard all about it. You saw and heard what others have to be thankful for. You reflected on it yourself. The fact is, in spite of everything, we have so much to be thankful for. So give thanks as to keep that in mind. Third basic, trust the words of the prophets. You can take this a couple of ways, but embrace the prophetic words that foretold Jesus and that God would set the world aright. Trust the words of those speaking hope and truth in your life today. Fourth, hold fast to what is good. For us today, that means fight the pandemic fatigue. It's okay to be over it, just don't act like you're over it. We're all exhausted and sick of it, but the more responsible more of us are, the less suffering and death there will be, and the sooner this will be over. It's incontrovertible. Know that what you have and continue to give up and miss out on are all part of you doing what is good and honorable. Five, abstain from evil. Same idea, spelled out a little different. We know what we ought to do and not do. And the reasons we might not do what we're supposed to aren't always the best. These five basics ground us. They contextualize us in our situation. If you remember that God is present and good, if you remember how much good there is in your life to be thankful for, if you remember the good news of Jesus Christ and know that when you struggle or suffer for the good of all, for good and honorable reasons, that's so much good that even in the midst of all this doom and gloom, that good might just bring you to rejoice, to say the words to others, to hear them when they're spoken to you, to really hear it and then do it. There is plenty of good still. There's plenty of reason to rejoice. So do it. Rejoice. Amen. Thanks for listening. I pray God spoke to you in some way. A quick note at the end here, which you can skip if you've heard it before. The audio of my sermons does not always include proper citations. While I do some self-study and lean on my seminary education, I also lean on my colleagues with whom we have a regular text study. I also use Luther Seminary's Working Preacher website and their podcast, Sermon Brainwave. Some credit is due to at least one of those sources. Wherever you are, whenever you hear this, please be well. 
Take care of yourself and each other and have a great rest of the week.